0: Chapter 9, Monadaria. It was a challenge for the boys to gather their thoughts while the bustle of the tournament grounds were in full force. There were similarities throughout the grounds when compared to the market district of Rock and the Helm Realm, but the amount of glaring differences and oddities polluted the boys' minds and clouded their vision. Instead of seeing carts of products and the potential for fun and mercantilism, they saw symbols of mysterious varieties, people of indistinguishable races and species, And an impassable hurdle between the past and the future the present is where they were while their minds were in the past but the only way to move was forwards and their guesses of where the road might take them held their legs stiff as stone the bustle of the district and the pollution of its stimulus slowly took over their consciousness no thoughts could be fully processed or comprehended before being overtaken by something new whether it was a question rolling through one of their heads or a notion being worked like a puzzle Nothing was finished before being overtaken by something new. Voices entering their ears from all directions, and strange sounds grabbed their gaze as they began walking around the area. The event torches around the arena would not be ignited until the setting sun. There was a time for exploring and merriment, but they felt no desire to be merry. How about a bite to eat? Nezo asked. The others glanced over to the mess hall. A group of men were either arguing or telling a story. They could not make out their words. I have an ache in my gut. Arteus said, his voice barely reaching the ears of the others. "'Let's walk around this way a bit, eh?' Rainier decided. He moved closer to one of the shops, a fairly long buggy that creaked with each of the owner's movements within it. The wooden surfaces were splitting with age, causing the goods being displayed to shake and rattle on their stands. On the walls were rows and rows of daggers, short swords, broad swords, shields, maces, and hammers. Something smelt foul behind the counter. "'Come to glance at me, metals?' The merchant yelled over to them, popping his head into sight. He wore rags, tattered and stained. Rainier continued forward, and the others followed. "'Me offers you goods for cheap. You has the coin, me has the metal.' Inside the man's mouth were no teeth in the front. Rainier reached forward and slid his hand along a war hammer that caught his attention. The feeling along his fingers raised a suspicion. "'Is this wood?' "'Coin for metal, laddie. Me has good deals. The best deals, laddie.' Rainier touched some of the other products. He read the tag attached to the other blades. This much for wood with some paint? His voice began to rise. Bargains! Bargains, me has Win every tournament you will! Rainier took one of the swords from the shelvings above. Gripping it tightly, he slammed it to the earth, demonstrating the proper form of a downward stab. The end of the weapon snapped, shards of wood flying in all directions. The boy scoffed and looked at the merchant. Fumbling with the wood paneling, the man slammed the window shut. Me, me closing up shop now, open again tomorrow, bye bye, he said in hiding, and sped away. The stench subsided, and the boys noticed a large shop not far from where the wooden sword lay broken. Upon arrival, they saw an arrangement of authentic merchandise. Welcome, the merchant said. They spent a portion of the remaining daylight exploring the vendor's wares. Rainier tested out a few blades with curves and a mace with a ball on a chain that the man referred to as a flail. Warriors around Rock did not use such a weapon. Arteus fingered an interesting stack of arrows. The tips were of various sizes and shapes. He contemplated the uses of such equipment and wondered how each of the different styles could be used among those in his own quiver. Nezo picked through a roll of spells that the man had on display. He read through the tomes and from his findings took notes on a loose sheet of parchment that he had stashed within his jacket. No others could be seen doing such things. This was not a place of magic users like himself. You work with the unnatural, do ya? The merchant asked. P-pardon me? Nezo replied politely. Look to me like a stargazer. Nezo looked down at the scrolls of information, and down at himself with an eyebrow raised in confusion. Magic? He said. Eos Forest deals with that nonsense. Until I see him wield a real weapon in battle, he ain't no king of mine. Uh, excuse me, sir, but my mother and father taught me- Many things, not just about the stars, but about our Mother Earth and what is real. You interested in spending coin today, boy? Neza looked down once more and then shook his head. The others stopped their searches as well. Make your way out then, will ya? The conversation ended there, and none of the rock warriors felt up to exploring any further. Rainier said, some food then? The others nodded and made their way for the mess hall. The smell was not pleasant around the crowd they had seen earlier. The men still yelled amongst themselves. I got two hundred pieces on Milkovic the broad. The man swung a tankard of ale in one hand and jingled his bag of coins in the other. That's a bloody mistake, another slurred. All four's half-giant he is. Stands tall as a tree. A a a! both the yins are wrong. Dat boy of Greenwood's yields elven metal. You seen his blades glow in the moon, huh? Have you? The argument and flashing of coins continued as the boys passed and entered the hall through a sturdy metal door. From there, the raucous atmosphere was similar, but the addition of a heavy, pleasant aroma relieved one of the stressors within their minds. Groups were gathering within the hall just as they did around the arena. They yelled, laughed, argued, and a fight even broke out from time to time. Pots and pans could be heard clanging from within the kitchen, and the scent of oils and breads was a good sign for the posing servants. This hall was crowded but its inhabitants gathered in clusters around each table from one end to the other. The tables closest to where they stood sat more cackling men who appeared under the influence of mind-altering substances. Their smell tainted the air around them. The boys passed the cloud of stink. They passed tables with large, burly women, tables with armored men, tables with men in rags, and tables with a single man feeding a gang of hounds. The people around him did not look pleased with his company. Tables were full of people of similar look or occupation, segregated into categories more or less. They could not determine which would suit them, if any would at all. Many wore an outfit similar to their own, but they speckled the whole mess hall in unorganized flocks. They wanted to relieve their aching bellies before thinking any further. At the serving counters, men and women rushed through the clouds of steam, bellowing from the kitchen's fires and mechanisms. They yelled amongst themselves, mostly words and phrases that did not pertain to those being served, and some in different languages. Rainier was first to pick up a tray and began his foraging. There were roasted meats, charred meats, raw meats, mounds of buttered potatoes, breads of all shapes, soups by the cauldron, some hot, some cold, some salty, and some sweet. There were beans, black, green, red, and blue, vats of gravies, juicy fruits, and vegetables piled high. The heat pouring from the boiling waters below sent sweats down the boys' faces as they trailed along the counter. When the quantity grew scarce, someone from the kitchen would rush forward and replenish the stock. Their mouths watered as they piled their meal together on their tray. They mostly stuck to what they knew. What could go wrong with potatoes, bread, and gravy, they thought, but some of the foreign cuisines held their attention, and they couldn't resist trying a bite or two. With the meal assembled, while continuing their search for a seat, they noticed a gang of young ones near the corner. Some wore rags while others wore armor, and all looked out of place. However, just beside it was an empty table. It held some splatters of food, but they sat anyways. Within moments, they were shoveling their food into their mouths. What the heck do you think this is? Nezo held up a leg of some armored animal. He cracked the external shell to reveal a gooey white meat. It was soaked in a salty butter mixture. Might have to grab me some of that, Rainier said between bites. He was ripping at a rack of pork ribs with his teeth so ferociously he could barely manage to breathe. The pile of turkey legs beside it, bathing in a slew of peppered mashed potatoes and beef gravy, would be his next victim. Nezo commenced to suck the meat right out of the shell, grinning with delight as it met his tongue, and Ardius was busy peeling a stack of plump oranges. The tangy juice was sticking to his fingers. While they crunched and munched, they could overhear the conversations going on at the table of boys beside them. "'Just focus, Ollier. Stand your ground. Don't hold back,' spoke a boy with a gruff voice. "'We make it to the wall one day. Then we be safe. "'But, but my father—' "'These buttered loaves are something!' One yelled above the others, sidetracking their conversation. Where have they taken my father? None of that matters now, kid, the gruff voice continued. Just hold the sword and shield until we make it out. Their talk halted the devouring of food at the rock's table. This blade's a ruddy joke, a boy said, motioning to the weapon strapped in a holster of his belt. Couldn't be sharp enough if you had all night at the stone. He had nothing on his tray but some bread and butter. Another young one with dark skin drew his weapon from his belt twiddling it between his fingers before them. Heroes are the ones that can make the best out of anything in their hands. His dagger returned to his sheath. I won't stop until I find them again, the ones who... His voice faded. We've all lost something, said the gruff voice. We've all lost... something. From there, the conversation stopped, and naught could be heard but the remaining munching and crunching of the food before them. It was some time afterward when a horn's blare erupted from outside, the mess hall shook as those eating got from their seats, cheering in unison, and ran for the door. Trays were knocked off of tables, food was tossed aside, and the stampede even turned tables to their sides. The boys beside the rocks table had already made it out of the hall, and the young rocks waited for the crowd to subside before exiting to see what brought the commotion. The torches within the stadium were lit, and everyone piled into the stands while the combatants gathered down below. Rainier, Ardeus, and Nezzo found seats quite a distance from the front row, but they were not excited for the event like the others in the castle. Their attendance was mainly a matter of circumstance and lack of direction within this foreign monadaria. Rainier, however, did have an excitement building in his chest to see the battles. From the door to the barracks, within the arena grounds poured a line of drummers and musicians playing horned instruments. The anthem began with a heavy drum roll followed by blaring horns heard from within the mess hall. The team circled the perimeter of the arena several times, continuing the anthem as the crowd cheered, until three men in shining jewelry and robes entered to the center of the stage. "'Welcome, my people!' the man shouted. His voice bounced from all of the surrounding walls, meeting the ears of all who listened. They appeared as the nobles of Monadaria. "'Our King Forrest has yet to return to the castle,' many in the crowd spat, sounds of anger and mockery. "'However, we present to you a most amazing event for the evening.' Our members of the guard will partake in a tournament of close combat for your eyes only. The third member of the nobility began now. Let us see who is the strongest in all of Monadaria, shall we? Or who can best handle the weapon in their hand, the first commented. All cheered, and the fires and horns erupted stronger than before. The nobles exited to a spectating stand above the barracks entrance, and the combatants entered the arena there were more than a dozen captains, all clad in heavily adorned arrangements of light and heavy armor. Some carried blades sharp enough to slice through stone, and others held weapons blunt and sturdy enough to pulverize a mountainside. For our first match, an announcer with a squeaky voice yelled, I give you Milkovic the Broad versus Sir Draco Thubin. More cheers. The contestants faced each other at the center of the arena, while the others sat along the bench beside the barrack doors to watch. The warrior Milkovic lived up to his name. He stood over six feet tall, and the span of his arms with swords in hand was wide enough to down a large chunk of forest in a few spins. The knight Draco was dressed in a heavy armor upper half, yet wore a cloak and hood around the rest of his body. His face could not be seen. Captains, begin! Milkovic charged with a burly war cry. His twin blades were drawn from their scabbards. The opponent stood still and collected balls of energy within his palms. Still screaming, Milkovic began a spin move, whipping both swords round and round towards Draco. Just before the metal could reach his face, Draco sent the energy flying towards the other's legs. Milkovic could not move from his position after the flash of purple. The crowd roared with boos. You call yourself a knight, someone yelled. After a successful stun, Draco drew a glowing blade from his leather scabbard and slashed at the man's abdomen. He stabbed a few heavy hits, but the magic wore off and the man commenced his charge on Draco. He ducked, rolled, and continued dodging each blow that Milkovic threw at him between grunts. No offensive action could be taken during the barrage of his blades. The use of stamina was impressive to Rainier. They couldn't help but enjoy the display of martial prowess. Eventually, Draco was backed into a corner, seemingly doomed. The lack of armor to his body had nezo biting his fingernails just before the deciding blow could be landed draco threw another ball of energy at milkovich's legs the broad man looked down upon his armor it had been eroding now the flesh of his chest was exposed your your blade he said to draco just as the opponent drew the glowing sword once more he's got a powerful enchantment nezo said to himself his father had taught him the effectiveness of magic infused weapons Instead of plunging the metal into the man's gut, he bashed the armor along the collar to further deteriorate his defense. "'He could have won,' Rainier said to Nezo. "'He doesn't want to kill his brother in arms,' Nezo replied. The metal around his neck and shoulders was now evaporating into nothing. Draco ran to a safe distance before the paralysis could wear off. The booze had been booming for the entire duration of Draco's offense. Milkovic seemed fearless to run at Draco once more despite his lack of protection. I'll cast that blade from those pathetic hands. His slashes were directed towards the enchanted sword's hilt, but Draco was as agile as he was cunning. A new energy was being drawn to the swordless hand, an energy with which Nezo was familiar. The sparks of electricity were coursing through Draco's lower arm. His eyes were visible from behind his hood now, two beaming dots of glowing purple. With one last dodge, he raised his glowing sword in defense. Milkovic's sword met his with a deafening tang, his sword was then evaporated just like his armor, and the shot of electricity was released from Draco's free hand, touching the man to his exposed skin and sending him to the ground. His mouth foamed, and the convulsion began as the jolts raced through his extremities until the medical team raced to his aid. Draco returned the sword to his holster and stood up in victory. Not many cheers could be heard besides those coming from Nezo. Most of the audience threw junk and garbage towards the hooded man and cursed in his direction. Someone lost a bag of gold. Rainier smirked and remembered the men outside of the mess hall. He rooted for the swordsmen, but he always enjoyed a good fight. The winner of this round, the announcer began, Sir Draco Thubin. The following matches were just as entertaining. The man named Ulfur, standing taller than all others at over seven feet and crushed his opponent in half the time of the first match. A man named Esper of Six Swords, was the fastest and most skilled of any swordsman the boys had ever seen, he landed ten blows on his fully armored opponent in mere moments, sending him to the ground in defeat. Even with the chaos of the boys' journey thus far, they were enjoying the events and tracking each of the moments of these masters to add to their own repertoire. Some of the matchups seemed unfair to Ardius. Their guide, Turtel, won his first round with ease, but he was against the ranged captain, an archery specialist. Turtel's rapid movements and light blades made it easy to escape the shot the opponent and achieve his victory. The first round concluded, and Draco was up once again. Sir Draco Thuban against Ulfur! Nezo could not stop the rapid-fire thoughts exploding within his head during this round. Draco managed to evade all of the half-giant's attacks, and sent the towering man toppling over, without even drawing his enchanted blade. The knight was a paladin, skilled in both swordsmanship and the art of magic, an inspirational figure to the son of Zenos. A tragedy, however, was Draco's early celebration of victory. As he stood to accept the accomplishment, Ulfur returned to his feet and grabbed the man from behind, holding him high into the air and listening to the crowd as they cheered and screamed at the man of magic. Ulfer slammed Draco to the ground. The impact shook the stands and sent an enormous cloud of dust into the air, engulfing the two combatants. When the commotion settled and the crowd was silent to carefully inspect what the result was, Ulfur had his arms raised in victory, and Draco was motionless in a crater at the center of the stadium. Nezo could see that his armor was cracked, and a coat of blood stained his robes. The crowd continued to yell and curse at the man on the ground. Ulfer stood over his opponent as the medical team was readying the equipment. The crowd cheered in three heavy syllables. Finish him! Finish him! Finish him! Ulfer raised his fist, as if gaining fuel from the crowd's roars. Just before the medical team could reach him, Ulfur picked up his warhammer and with two hands slammed it down upon the fallen captain. No! Nezo screamed, standing from his seat, tears pooling in his eyes at the sight. All three of the boys were in shock. What a disgrace, Rainier said to himself, arms crossed. The Rock family were not only strong warriors, but they knew the codes of conduct on the battlefield. As they stood in terror, At Ulfur being taken out of the arena and a mangled Draco being carted from the arena, the announcer said, For disorderly conduct, Ulfur is disqualified from this event. The winner of the next match will move directly into the final round. There were cheers and many boos at the captain's disqualification. Being a part of this group was beginning to bring discomfort to the young rocks. Tertel made the next entrance in this round. He faced a man that stood a better chance against his fighting style. The man was a shield expert and was skilled in blocking Turtel's constant barrage of slashes and jabs. With all of his attempts to gain a position behind his opponent, Turtel continuously fell short. The moon was shining down upon the stadium now, lighting the ground more effectively than the round of torches. The crowd watched as Turtel's blades began to glow a bright blue in the light of the night. Each slash left a brilliant trail of light that began to distract the defender. The metal bounced from the shield each time a blow was blocked and a mixture of sparks and blue luster flashed in the eyes of the opponent giving turtel his opportunity to dash behind the man and land his blows on his backside this knocked him to the ground and his shield was disarmed from his grasp the man of the green woods was swift enough to land multiple more blows enough to lead to his opponent's surrender the winner and first contestant to the final round turtel the cheers were louder and louder as the final round grew near Combatants continued to fight to the bitter end. Some surrender, others were beaten to unconsciousness, and with each round, all three of the boys hoped for no ending to be like that of Draco. Nezo wondered if he would live. A blow like that, while vulnerable and beaten, was likely to be fatal. Now, the announcer erupted once more, the moment you've all been waiting for, the final round. The noise from the crowd shook their seats. Turtel of the Greenwoods versus... Esper of the six swords. Two agile fighting styles, Nezo thought. Normally, when one is sparring against another warrior, each will utilize the other's weaknesses. When both combatants use similar techniques, however, it becomes a game of skill alone. The warrior who is the most skilled in their field of combat will be the victor. As soon as they began, this was clearly the case. Tertel immediately drew his two short swords, and Esper charged with his lightweight longsword. Their speeds were practically matched. Each blow was parried, Every offense action was dodged. That longsword could win it for him, Rainier commented. Longer range than those elven weapons. The young man was right. Esper was able to stand out of the range of Tertel's strikes while controlling a steady barrage of offensive swipes. The elven blades were glowing just the same as before without phasing the opponent. Esper could practically send volleys and parries with his eyes closed. Their swords met time and time again. They danced under the moonlight in combat, swaying, crossing paths, and moving gently, elegantly like birds in the sky. These men, masters of the sword. Tang, twing, schwang. The battle continued until both fighters paused to catch whatever breath could be found in their heavying lungs. Turtel looked down at the glowing swords. This one's for you, Pop, he whispered to himself. My time to shine. He threw the blades into the sky at once. Up and up they soared. The glimmering from the foreign metals looked to meet with the moon. The entire crowd was mesmerized by the action, gazing up at the spectacle. Even Esper took his eyes from his front for a moment, the first mistake of the match. And the final one, for Tertel seized the opportunity. Faster than anyone else in the castle, he zipped across the stadium to his opponent's rear. Weaponless, he punched the man's arm, nearly breaking the bone in two. Esper's sword fell. Then he grabbed the man and rendered him motionless, besides a slight squirming. Fool, Esper said. You may have bested my speed, but you will never best my strength. He let out a heavy war cry and freed himself from Turtel's grasp, just as he was thrown to the other end of the stage. The warriors were both unarmed. Go ahead, boy. Pick up my sword and finish this. They continued glaring at each other. Do it, he screamed. The crowd gasped. Turtel smirked. You lose. As Esper was talking, blue streams were falling from the moon, and the elven blades plunged into the shoulder of Esper from above. He fell to the ground in a bloody mess, and Turtel, with hands in the air, looked at the sky, as if for praise. The winner and most skilled captain of the guard is Turtel! The noise from the crowd echoed around the stadium and into the air above. He was congratulated and handed a medal of honor by the three nobles. The main event was over. But the announcer spoke of a bonus event soon to come, and the Rock Boys were confused to see the children from the table beside them in the mess hall enter the stage in armor of different varieties. Their faces did not look of delight or friendly sportsmanship. Some were painted with grimaces, but most were smeared with fear. Our junior division will now commence. All bets are in. Contestants, arm yourselves. May the best young warrior emerge victorious. The Rock Boys failed to understand what was about to happen. This contest was a different format. The children were fighting in an all-out brawl until only one remained to claim the prize. That big boy in the back has me coin on his head. A man below them in the stands remarked to one beside him. Look to be a fighter he does. It began to make sense to them. The announcer declared the match to start. Many of the young ones were glued in place, barely able to hold the sword in front of them, but some charged immediately and began clearing their paths towards victory. ''Where are the nobles?'' Ardeus asked. ''Those boys should not be fighting in there.'' They all looked around to find out that not only were the nobles returned to the other end of the castle, but most of the medical team had retired as well. Yar! they heard from below. The boy, who they recognized as the one with a gruff voice from the mess hall, was clobbering the others left and right. ''They mustn't be in there!'' Nezo yelled, standing to his feet. Rainier yanked his friend back down. ''Cut it out!'' ''But Rainier!'' Ardeus started do you want every pig in here to be on us? You saw how the merchant treated us. Who's to say the hundreds of others in these stands won't do the same? Rainier kept his voice down. Our first contestant has been eliminated, the announcer called. Neza was afraid to inspect the stage, but couldn't avoid his eyes being drawn to a significant pool of blood spread around one of the fallen boys. They had no words. They only looked at each other in terror and more confusion. Rainier. Their friend said nothing. He only stared down at the chaos below without a single blink. With another storm of shields and banging and swords clanking, they saw one boy have a sword plunge straight through him. That's enough, Nezo said, standing again. We need to leave, Rainier. Get down, will ya? Someone shouted from behind them. The stomachs of all three of the boys were turning, and a sickness was coming over them, so Nezo's friends did not hesitate to follow him out of this seriously unfortunate event. They ignored the wails and calls from onlookers around them as they pushed through the crowd. Clouds of sweaty stenches and drunken breaths were their blockades. Yet they continued to push until they reached the gate to the exit. Should we wait for our guide? I'm not waiting for anything, Nezo answered. He remembered the way back to the room from their initial tour with Tertel, and it was not long before they passed the tents and merchant booths again and made it to the courtyard gate. State your business, young folk, the guard said. Servants, sir, Ardeus said. Just passing through. Back to our chambers, please," Nezo continued. He looked them up and down, pausing for a moment. "You may pass," and he lifted the gate. The garden was not as lively and magical as they remembered it being that afternoon. The creatures were sleeping, besides those with glowing eyes and steady growls, giving little notice or fear to the things around them. Nezo led the way back into the servants' quarters. His memory was firing away as he recollected the path they had taken once before. Arteus and Rainier felt completely lost as they trailed down the halls, around corners, up the stairs, and across mazes of corridors, but Nezo stayed true to his memory, and before too much longer, they had reached the large wooden door of their room. They pushed open the heavy entrance and closed it back even tighter than before. There was no lock, but Rainier pushed every piece of furniture that he could muster in front of the only thing blocking them from the outside world that they had just discovered. In complete silence, Nezo looked around the room at his friends, Warm beads of sweat still trickled down his forehead and coated their clothing in a thick grime. We are not safe here.